good, isn't he? Wow. I'm enjoying things today. How about you? Isn't it great to enjoy the Lord and all the things that God wants to do for us? And uh, let me find my, what I wrote out this morning. Here we go. Today is the day. Everybody say, today is the day. You know, oftentimes what happens is how we perceive it to be. We literally learn to create our day by our faith. You know, the book of Romans chapter 8, verse 37 says, Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. How many would like for that to be true in your life? How many would like for that to be true in your life? That in all these things, you're more than conquerors through him who loved us. God promised us that we can be triumphant in this life and in the life to come. God does not destined you for defeat. He's destined you for victory. He's destined you to go to the next level in every aspect of your life. He doesn't want any of us to be stuck unsatisfied, unfulfilled, but he wants to bring you not only your needs, but he wants to give you the desires of your heart. Amen? Thanks be to God who causes us to triumph in everything. Thanks be to God who causes us to be more than conquerors through him that loved us. So I want us to look at this morning. I I think this is going to unpackage pretty good for us and Hopefully that we'll walk out of here with a whole new perspective or at least enforcing our faith that we already have. He's promised to come to us according to the response that's in our own heart. What does it say in the book of Hebrews chapter 11? You might look there. It says, verse 6, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. So what pleases God? Say it with me. Faith. When you have faith, you please God. Does your pleading, does your crying, does your anxious need that you have, does that please God when you come to God with a petition that says, oh God, oh God, you've got to help me out of this situation. That doesn't please God. Because see, God does not respond to emotions. He responds to facts. Because the Lord, by his nature, is objective. He never approaches us from a subjective level. In other words, he does not have to make up his mind to determine how he's going to respond to you at any given moment because that's already predetermined. He's already set in stone how it is. The Lord has set before you something that, that cannot be taken away from you unless you let it go. Great as he is in the midst of you. There's no one like our God. And Jesus becomes the very object of our faith. You know, the book of Hebrews also says in chapter 12 that he's the author and the finisher of our faith. So when I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to have faith in my life, I'm not saying, well, Lord, just give me a promise and I'm going to believe the promise. The promises are great, but the promises mean nothing unless we have the experience of the person. 
because it's, it's the heart of God that when God spoke to us a promise and spoke, speaks to us uh, a future, he doesn't do that in the sense of just laying something before us that can never be obtained. Every word that God speaks, everything he's proclaimed, it's in his will for that to happen in your life. He wants to give you abundantly above all that you could ask or think. Amen. What's entered into your heart? What have you believed for? Well, God wants to, he wants to give you more than that. He wants to make you more than just a conqueror. He wants to make you a conqueror that has literally rules in the midst of every situation. So faith pleases God. Faith overcomes the world. So faith then, is, is it something that we have for tomorrow or is it something we have for today? It's today, isn't it? What does it say Jehovah means? The right now, God. This is the moment right now that it makes every difference in the world. Jehovah, the right now God, means that faith is also right now. When it, where is faith? It's right now. Where do you live? Do you live in faith or do you live in fear? Do you live in faith or do you live in unbelief? Are you a believer or an unbeliever? We choose, don't we? Where we abide at on a daily basis. It's your choice to get in your car this morning and come to this building and enter the door. You chose that, didn't you? You chose it for a reason though, didn't you? The reason was that you just wanted to have a nice place to hang out. But you chose this place to come this morning because you wanted to engage and participate in what God had to say to you. You wanted to participate in the anointing so that the, the, the things that God has willed for your life could be birthed in your life and expressed through your life. Amen? So, wow. Faith is right now. Now, there's three places that we can live at. We all live in one of three places, and oftentimes we, we're people of more than just one dwelling place. We live in other places that we shouldn't be living. But we can live in the past, we can live in the present, or we can live in the future. How many have ever known someone that lived in the past? And don't point your finger up here. <laughs> we're all guilty of that, aren't we? But what does it say in the book of Isaiah? Chapter 43, verse 18. It says, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth to birth. Do you realize when we really grab hold of that scripture, how transitional our life becomes? Because the human nature is to lock itself in to that which is comfortable. Whether it could be in, a, in your home life, your occupation, your church. So we, we tend to create a comfortable existence for ourselves by our own perception of where we live. So we, we tend to live in the past and what the past has meant to us. As we're approaching this time of newness in our lives and in the life of this church, I had to come face to face with this. Am I going to be like those that just keep remembering the way it used to be and lamenting and crying because 
I'm so grieved because the things that I held so dear all of a sudden don't seem so close. Or am I going to approach it with a different spirit and a different attitude? See, how you approach and how you believe determines who you are. You can be no greater in your life than what you believe your life to be in, in correlation with who Christ is. You're not creating this in yourself, but God's creating in you because you, you keep looking to Jesus, the author, the finisher of your faith, the, the one that gives this to you. So a lot of people live in the past. You know, back in 2006, we had a company, 96 to uh, 2006, called Kingsway. And uh, I'd founded that company along with some other people and many of you in the room this morning, uh, Jack and Pat and and share and uh, we're part we're integral part of that and uh, many of you were even we worked there but this company went for 10 years and we had we had so great great goals and some great things before us and over the course of the 10 years we reached about a hundred thousand people that were touched by our company and on a smaller scale we reached people in in different communities throughout the United States we had an office in Canada and a shipping place in Bridgetown, Barbados. And that's the place I'd like to go to the most when I was traveling as the CEO was Bridgetown, Barbados. And so we had some wonderful things going. Uh, the glory was just so phenomenal. I remember one time preaching in Las Vegas at, the, at a conference room, Treasure Island. I was speaking to our leaders. We had like 50 leaders there. And uh, on the Sunday morning, we we had a group meet together as a church because most of the people were believers in our company and the golden glory came, you know, at the business meeting. I mean, things like that's pretty great, isn't it? I mean, so uh, we, we saw so many wonderful things, had so many wonderful experiences that in 2006, um, for whatever reason, and I, I put a lot of that on me, but we, merged with another company, which turned out to be a disaster. The other company, unfortunately, didn't have the integrity to make it a lasting transaction. And just almost immediately, they, they turned things around where it became a devastating loss for not only Sue and I, but everyone that was involved in the Kingsway uh, leadership, people making money. It, it was a hard time. And you, you've often heard uh, the story of how I'd lost the last $10,000 I had. Uh, I mean, I went from being worth maybe some millions to being nothing in just a matter of a few months. Um, and then how God delivered, how God blessed me out of that, uh, that critical low point. Well, that, that, that's in the past. And, and so what I had to do during that time was the hardest thing was when this, I felt betrayed and when I felt this person had violated the law and the way they were treating us, the, the, the natural recourse is to sue, right? You want to sue them. You want to try to reclaim the thing they've stolen from you. Well, the, the, I was, the, during this time, it was such a critical time in my own spirit. I had to come to, come to uh, a reality check. I was either going to live in the thing that was hurting me, the thing that had lost, or I was going to begin to live in the now. I had to make that choice. I want to tell you what, without, if I hadn't made the right choice, I wouldn't be here this morning because the past would have consumed me. 
You see, the past is like living in a jail when you live in the past. It's like putting yourself in solitary confinement because now you're locked in to two things in the past. You'll always remember the good things, which is fine to remember good things. I'm not saying it's not. But the problem is dispersed among all the good things is all the bad things. And so if you're living in the past and you let the past define you, you'll be defined either by condemnation because you felt like you didn't do the right thing. You might have sinned. You might have went the wrong direction. I had to fight that because I'm thinking if I would have only been a better leader of this company, we wouldn't have went the way that it went. And so I was beating myself up. You know, it's kind of like you carry around the cat of nine tails and you flock it on your, hit your back every now and then with it. You're just beating yourself up over what could have been, what should have been. Amen. What this could have become, how wonderful it was. And even now people 14 years later that I come across from back in those days, if there was only a company on the earth that was like that company, we would be happy because it was a great place to have a company. It was a wonderful place. And, uh, Hallelujah. But see, that's the past, isn't it? And if, I, and if I keep dwelling on the past, then the past will define my future. And you don't have a future. You, you see, when we live in the past, it's like living in a dungeon. There's no life in the past. It gives no life for the present. It, it, it pro, we profit from the past by the learning from the, the mistakes I'm not saying that we don't do that, but we don't live there. We say, yes, today is the day of my salvation. Behold, I will do something new. Shall it not spring forth to birth? Amen? Amen. And God always has something better than what you had. Hallelujah. As great as that company seemed, as great as it was, I know that there's a time and there's a season that God always has something better to come. Amen? Because everything that happens to us happens in purpose. It's not by happenstance. We create what's happening to us on a daily basis. The future. How many believe in the future? Let me tell you this, though. You want to believe in the future. You want to have hope for the future, but you don't want to live in the future. Because if you live in the future, you'll, you'll neglect the now. I used to buy a lottery ticket. I had a hot tub. So I'd buy the lottery ticket, $22 million. And so I'd, I'd go sit, lay in the hot tub and I'm sitting there and I start fantasizing about the $22 million. Of course, you know, the first thought through my mind was how I was going to bless you guys. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's amazing when you start, when you give people money and they think they're going to bless everyone, the more you give them, the more tight they become. Usually the more money people make, the less giving they are. They begin to hold on to it so tightly because they're afraid they're going to lose a dime. Amen. That's why it's better never to, to accumulate riches. Just let the riches of God flow through you. Hallelujah. When I say don't accumulate, I'm saying God, he takes care of you. But th- that's not our purpose is to store it for ourselves. We're storing it for the kingdom. Amen. 
And a lot of you guys are doing that. So the future is not where I can live today. I have hope for the future. I have, my hope is in the future. I have a blessed hope called the resurrection that one day when I leave this earth and this earthly habitation that I'll make that transition to a heavenly habitation. Amen. I'll put on that new, that new nature, that new creation will be mine entirely and fully. I have that hope within me. It's a blessed hope. I have hope for you guys. I have hope for your future. I have hope for all of us together, but that's not what I live by. I have to live by who is God to me right now. Amen. Recently with, with Sue, I, I began to have a little bit of a revival. How I many you know it's always good to have a revival in your marriage? Yes. Yes. See, as long as, as long as you look to the future, it's comforting. It's comforting to think about how you're going to spend your lottery money. But in all the time that you worry about when you're going to hit it big, if you would have just been doing something today, you might have created something for you that would actually become a lottery. Amen? All you're thinking about tomorrow, what about today? What are you doing today? See, I'm sure that when the children of Israel sat around the fires in their slum, slum of Cairo or Alexandria or wherever city in Egypt, they sat around warming themselves at night eating their meager provisions, they would long for the day that would, God would bring them to the promised land. Don't you think that would be your number one goal if you were in that kind of condition, that you would be longing for the promised land? You heard this, your fathers told you all along, hey, there is coming a, a land that's flowing with milk and honey. You are God's people. You have been chosen to inherit the greatest blessing in the history of the earth. I'm gonna make a nation out of you. You low life, slum, Lord, slum people living in squalor, I'm gonna bring you forth and I'm gonna give you glory. Amen. So they got excited when Moses came. They walked with him, they delivered him. But the tragedy is, is that not only two people that came out of the day Egypt, 40 years later, only two of the original people were still alive. All the rest of them died in the wilderness. So how can you say, well, boy, God has got so much in store for me. I'm so excited about the future. I'm so excited about when I'm this mighty man of God, this woman of God. I'm this person that's doing this and doing this. I'm traveling here and doing this and going over here and becoming all of this. I'm so excited about the future. Yet there's only a few that actually have a future because they don't have a today. You have no future unless you have a today. Today is the day of your future. So that means that if you want to be this great person, what do you do today to become that great person? The scripture says if we're faithful in a few things, God will make us ruler over many. So what did Joshua and Caleb do? Moses would go to the tent of meeting to meet with the Lord. And that's where the Lord would appear to him in a cloud in the tent of meeting. And Joshua and Caleb were just glory rats. 
I'm sure every day they got up, where's Moses? Oh, there he goes. Let's go. We're going to go with him because he's going to go meet with the Lord. And so Joshua and Caleb, over these years of being in the wilderness, man, these guys were patient. They didn't, they didn't sit around the night campfire. Oh, I just can't wait till we get over the river. I can't wait till we get in the land. They were already in the land. They were already living in victory. They were already more than conquerors. They were already mighty men of God. They didn't have to wait till they get to the promised land in order to find their destiny. Their destiny was fulfilled in their willingness to become something now. What you become now will determine who you are tomorrow. Do, do you think, if you look at my life, and I'm not, I felt, hate to use myself as such an illustration because God knows that many have superseded what I've done. But when I started in the Lord, it was weird because in this church we were in in Amarillo, this Baptist church, it was really on fire for God. In fact, it led the whole Southern Baptist Convention that year in baptisms, had over a thousand baptisms. A little church that would only hold about 400 people. And there was like 40 men. Back then, you know, we didn't believe in women doing anything. So it was like 40 men. We do now, by the way. There was like 40 men that were called to preach. And uh, so all the men would sit there. It seemed like every Sunday you'd see all the young preachers. And they'd all be sitting there with their Bible, with their finger in their Bible. They're just waiting for Brother Frank, the pastor, to say, come on, brother, come on up. I want you to share something with us. Come on, share. I know you got your finger in your Bible. You're ready to share. Come on up. You know, he never did. Not once while I was there did he ever call anyone up to share anything. And you could just see the disappointment week after week. Oh, God called me. Why isn't he using me? Well, it didn't take me long to put two and two together. I was just dumb enough to know that that doesn't work. I, didn't have, I had not earned the place to get up there and speak. There is such thing as earning the privilege. Well, God's called me, so why isn't someone recognizing me? Because you haven't earned it yet. When you earn it, your gift will make room for you. How do you earn it? You earn it by letting God become the right now God. You begin to do the things of the Lord that he says before you. So in my case, here I was a man that had, was the president of three corporations. They weren't big corporations, but we, we had 10 houses. We had, I had my own real estate office and I'm 22 years old. I was crazy. And by the way, I just found a old picture of Sue. My brother-in-law was here the other day, Ricky, and he had a picture of Ricky and Sue and her sister, Tony, bless her heart, who's passed away. Sue's in the middle, and I saw that picture, and my daughter saw it, and she said, Dad, uh, no wonder <laughs> you pursued Mom. I said, yeah, I'm not no fool. Nope. <laughs> I mean, not only is she beautiful now, but my Lord, you don't want to look at that picture. I mean, it's like, think, this girl should have been on Vogue. I mean, <laughs> incredible. But so, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting off the subject. You know, the, these women always distract me. Yeah, they really do. How many of you, how many of you guys got that problem, right? Okay. <laughs> so, so what I did, I started serving. 
here I, here I came in. I didn't come in, oh, Pastor, oh, Frank, you're so lucky, man, you, to have me. You realize I'm a 22-year-old entrepreneur and I've already started my own business. I own 10 houses. I drive a brand new Buick Riviera. I can get $10,000 at the bank without, without any kind of collateral. That was a lot of money back then. Do you realize how lucky, Pastor Frank, you are to have me now as one of your surrendered ministries? Are you ready to use me now? No, I never came with any pedigree. I came, some, I served, humbled myself. Brother Frank, I went in his office, Brother Frank, I'm sure he's expecting me to ask me, when am I going to get to preach? I said, Brother Frank, what can I do to serve? He said, well, we have a seventh grade boys class that's open. And that's like putting people in Dante's Inferno. You can teach the seventh grade boys. I mean, have you ever been around seventh grade boys? I mean, you love them, but you just want to shoot them. And uh, then also he said, after school, we've opened up a ministry for the junior high kids next door. There's a junior high next door. We need some people to come in and help serve Kool-Aid and cookies. And they come over and then you can give them Bible tracts and talk to them about Jesus. I said, sure, I'll be glad to do that. So that was the first thing that I did. And I committed myself to being every day in the moment of serving the Lord. And in that, God somehow had mercy on this backwoods mule shoeing and gave me grace that six months later, I was pastoring a church full time. Amen? And out of the 40 people, only three of us ever got into the full-time ministry. One of them is my brother-in-law, Ricky, who's pastored now in San Antonio, and one other brother who's since passed away out of the 40 people. Because there was something in our heart that says, we will make the future now. We will become that which is to be positioned to it right now. See, we should have hope that our future is going to be great, shouldn't we? But our future is not based on that. It's based on the faith that we have in our heart today for the change. So when we look ahead, it's like a release of reality, isn't it? Oh, if I could just visualize myself in this great place of ministry or in life or finances or whatever your goals are, if I could just visualize that, it's like an escape from reality because the reality is you may be dead broke today. The reality is that you might, be, you might have been beat up today in, in emotionally. That's the reality. The reality isn't, oh, look at what I am going to be. No, today is the day you need to be what you're going to be. Do you see yourself as triumphant? Amen. Do you see yourself as kind? Do you see yourself as considerate? Do you see yourself as forgiving? See, you can be all of those things right now. And when you position yourself in the right place at the right time, that's when God promotes you and brings you forth into something greater than what you anticipated. Amen? You know, the book of Psalms chapter 78 says that, and, I, and I'm just going to read briefly there, then we're going to kind of wrap this up. Um, Psalm 78, the children of Israel were in the wilderness and it said that, Verse 8, 
that they not be, chapter 78, they may not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not set its heart right, whose spirit was not faithful to God. Amen? Verse 22 says, because they did not believe in God and they did not trust in his salvation. Verse 37, for their heart was not steadfast with him, nor were they faithful in his covenant. Amen? See, if you're only thinking about tomorrow, you're going to miss what he is to you today. I can't think, well, someday I'll straighten up and be a good husband. I know she's got to tolerate me for now because I'm going through all this stuff and I'm, I'm having all emotional mess and, and, I, and I'm having all this stuff I'm dealing with. So I'm sorry, wife. I just can't really be that to you today. Because let's try it tomorrow because tomorrow I'll be feeling better. <laughs> <laughs> and then tomorrow becomes the next day, the next day, the next day, the next day. So you can even go years and you finally say, why didn't I do what I was supposed to do 10 years ago concerning my wife, concerning my husband? I've been, I'm not repenting the last couple of weeks, but I'm rejoicing because all of a sudden I realized I'd let my fear, my disappointment of the past and my fear of the future rule my present reality. So I have recommitted myself to my bride. Amen. Hallelujah. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, she doesn't, nothing she does irritates me. I mean, she never really did anything to irritate me. It was me. That was, that was the problem. It wasn't her. All of a sudden, I want to listen to her. How many of you guys, your wife starts talking and you start kind of, uh, 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 uh. Okay, is he, are you through talking now? Okay. <laughs> Don't talk anymore, please. <laughs> You're wearing me out. Well, I feel like a brand new man. And I, I can knock on wood, but really that's not what it's about. It's about because I finally have said, I brought myself into saying, Lord, there's nothing that matters. The, the future, I'm not going to worry about the future. I'm not going to lament over the past or just relish in the past, but I'm going I'm to enjoy the moment. God said, I've come to give you life. And give you life more abundantly. We don't have to live our life in bitterness and unforgiveness, resentment, strife, and anger. We don't have to live our life always vying for a position, always wondering what's going to happen to us next, always believing that we're going to become something supernatural special. We don't have to be anything supernatural special. Just be you in Christ. Amen. That's all you need to be. Out of that becomes an expression then and just a beautiful flow of the Lord. So, Lord, help me to keep my heart right. Today, 
becomes the day of my salvation. The day is a day of my freedom. The present day that I live in today is forming my future. I don't have to guess anymore about tomorrow because tomorrow is assured. Amen. Like a relationship with one chapel. I don't have to wonder if it's going to work. I don't have to hope it's going to work. I don't have to project that it's going to work because it's working. It's real right now. It's not... It's not something where I would go in any relationship anymore and try to predict the future because the future has already been set in my heart. It's not some happenstance thing that's going to happen. Oh, I hope this all works out. No, there's no question. It's already worked out. It's already done. It's finished. Christ has made it so today. Hallelujah. So when I approach these new family of people, I approach them with this great, great excitement. Um, and I wrote this down. As we transition into being one with one chapel, uh, we don't wait to see what it's going to be like. We don't wait to see what the expressions will be like. In other words, we don't come in and say, well, you know, they don't really worship the way we worship. The pastor doesn't really preach the way Pastor Bill preaches. I don't know what, why they do it this way and why they do it that way. I am not happy at all with this because this is not the future that I envisioned. We don't wait to see the expression. We don't wait to see what the preaching is. We don't wait to see what their small groups are like. You lock yourself out of participating yeah. in creating that very future when you're waiting for something to happen for you. You lock yourself out. Yes. You'll never see it. You'll never receive it. You'll still be wondering. You'll wonder, oh, there's got to be a perfect place. There's got to be sun over the hill. There's got to be something on the other side of the river. We just haven't got it yet. No, you get it now. Right now. Amen? Wow. You see, you'll see Christians like that. You know them. They're none of them are like that. Of course you're not. But you'll see Christians like that. Oh, I just know that it's going to get better. I just know that one day our church is going to break through to this great expression of the Lord. I just know one day that the house will be filled with glory. I just know that one day, and I mean, I'm not saying those are bad aspirations, but that's not how we should live. We should live that, Lord, this is the day that you have made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad. This is so awesome to be here right now. This is the glory. This is the presence. I don't have to hope that it happens tomorrow. I'm dwelling in the tent of the Lord today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't have to hope that tomorrow my marriage may work out if I'm lucky. No, I'm going to determine it's worked out because I'm going to give myself to it. You see what I'm saying? Hallelujah. And the more we give and we sow into this future, by what we do today. For what God intends for tomorrow is actually created today. It's impossible to please God through faith. Without faith, 
We have to position our heart before the Lord. God moves everything in alignment to the heart to set right. People may look at you and say, you're the most deprived urchin that's ever lived on the face of the earth. And that's okay if they see you that way. But if you see in your own heart that your heart is set before God, you're a royal diadem. You're a holy nation. You're a holy priest under the Lord. You, God has chosen you to fulfill his will in your life and to become that release to the earth. As usual, I don't want to live in the past and say I could have done better, but maybe this is okay. See, living your life in the present, living your life in faith is a life that's filled with peace. And I've had that just the last week or two. The peace of God that passeth all understanding. Hallelujah. I know when I'm in that, I can hear any news. I can have any verdict. I can have any kind of thing or this or that happen. But nothing can rob the peace of God that passeth all understanding. It rules, says it rules and guards my heart. Hallelujah. Lord, that's what we seek. That's what we believe for. That's what we cry out for. Not something tomorrow, but today, Lord, this is what we are. This is who we are. A people ruled by the presence of God, justified by faith and have peace with him. Amen. The level you engage will be the level that you experience. So Lord, we engage engage aggressively. Amen. The kingdom of God suffers violence and the violence sees it, sees it by force. I'm gonna seize the kingdom today. Kingdom now, not kingdom tomorrow. Kingdom now, Right. right now in my life. Kingdom now, right now in my life. Hallelujah. 